The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The following program contains important but graphic material. These topics are designed to foster discussion but may be objectionable to some. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. This program is a training program on human trafficking, sextortion, social media exploitation, and child pornography based on actual cases. Our mission is to eradicate human exploitation and bring predators to justice. Now, here is the host of the program, Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Well, as most of you know, this is a continuation of last week's show as we're going to talk about a very tough subject, and that subject is child pornography. Now, most of us don't want to look at that. I get it. I understand it. Trust me. But I do believe that we must overcome that kind of fear and just look this evil right in the eye. So this show is called Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. It is put together by Million Kids. That's M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org. We normally combat child sex trafficking and labor trafficking as far as that goes. And we do that every day. Susie Carpenter, myself, and several other volunteers out here in Southern California are absolutely committed to this. I've been working in child uh, exploitation now for about eight years, and uh, it's just mind-boggling all that is going on. I am not an extremist. I'm not some radical activist. I am a person who is the training and outreach coordinator for the Riverside County Anti-Human Trafficking Task Force. I sit with parents who are missing their kids, and I sit with kids who have a naked photo out there and they're being blackmailed. So I'm deep into this. Uh, I am known for doing research and, and for creating programs to combat child exploitation. Well, this is heavy, heavy on my heart, and I hope you'll come along with us and help us. I can't do this alone. I really want to know who you are and what your interest is in this, where you're located. This show goes out to 170 countries. In fact, I was contacted this week by a group from Mozambique that wants to set up a Me and Kids um, network or a group out of Mozambique. In fact, they want to know when I can come. Hello. (laughs) But I need your help, okay? If you want to call into this show, many, many people, because it goes out to 170 countries, many of people listen to this on archive or after the regular time zone. But uh, if you happen to be awake and around and you want to call in, it's 1-866-472-5788. Susie's not going to be with us today, so I'm going to handle this all on my own. She's got uh, a cold there. But uh, she does run our Facebook page, and that is called Me and Kids, Me and Kids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, Kids, K-I-D-S. And if you would go to Facebook and like Me and Kids, we would appreciate it. 
You can also always send a message to me at opal at millionkids.org, or you can also go on Exploited Crimes, Exploited Crimes, because this is Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. Please, please let us know who you are. Now, I'm going to ask you to really think about a lot of heavy-duty stuff today. As I've tried to analyze this, and I have, what I have done is I've started to realize in the last two years the intersect between child sex trafficking, social media exploitation, and child pornography. Now, when I go out and make speeches, people only want to hear the first two parts. You know, nobody really wants to look at child pornography. It just seems the darn extreme, and it is, trust me. I happened to see a couple of uh, photographs once by accident when I was investigating a, a case or supporting some people in an investigation, and I will never forget it. Once you've seen that, I guess that's maybe why I'm passionate. Once you've seen what we're talking about, you really can't look back. So what is the intersect between child pornography and sex trafficking? Well, what is happening is many of these people that are, are pedophiles that are uh, child pornographers are living in the dark web. Now, there's a lot of controversy about the dark web. Many of you have heard me say this, but for those new listeners, I'll share with you. Basically, if you think of the Internet that we live in, that's about the top 3%. That's normally called the clear web or the clear net. And then you have the deep web. That's where uh, government agencies are. And then the dark web. And there's a new report out this week saying that the dark web isn't as dark as they thought it was. It was interesting, um, the the uh, report, because when you first read it, it sounds like only less than half of the dark web is really used for clandestine activities. But then when you start to read the small print of that, they're going, they had not included child pornography because it was so vile and so prevalent. And you're like, okay, well, let's relook at that. What is happening, though, is that they're forming large-scale rings, and they're coming together in communities. And this is like a global phenomenon that is taking place. It's kind of an interesting process for those of you that are faith-based. I often think this is the first time since the Tower of Babel that God has allowed us all to come together. And what are we doing we are building these large-scale child porn rings in the dark web. So how does all that work? Well, they need a lot of photographs to keep these people happy. Uh, the FBI, in a very controversial case called the Playpen case, and it is controversial, trust me, but in that case, what they did is found 215,000 pedophiles. Now, last week I talked about various other cases. One had 45,000 pedophiles. One had 38,000 or 35,000, I think it was. One of them had 27,000. I mean, just in a few, a handful of cases, we were looking at 400,000 pedophiles in just a couple, three, four cases. Now, it takes a lot of material to keep these guys happy. As you're about to see, as we start to look at these cases, you'll see many of these people have a half million to a million images. And so what is happening here is there's these several push-pull factors. The reason why I think, think that it intersects with child sex trafficking is that there's almost as much money to be made in sell it, selling 
the videos of these children being violated as they are just putting them out for prostitution. And I don't mean the word just on there. I, I just accidentally said that. Being, putting a young person out for prostitution is horrific. Okay, I see it. I see the cases. I work in it. But in addition to that, what's happening is they're taking a lot of videos of these people and a lot of photographs of them and putting them out on child pornography rings because they can sell them and sell them on cyber currency that's not traceable. Additionally, now we have social media exploitation that is taking place. Uh, Last week, we talked about a couple of rings that literally they go on, they intercept these young people on Kik. In fact, one of them I was looking at today, Kik, K-I-K, is an instant messaging site. And they'll intercept these kids and they'll pretend to be a young girl, a young guy, and they get them to send the photos. In some of the cases that I've reviewed in other shows, there's actually points. They actually get into games where they're competing for getting kids to send naked photos. Uh, NECMEC, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, which is a hero of mine. They're wonderful people. John Clark is the president of that. In their case, they have technology that looks at each email that goes out, and once they see the algorithm of a naked and violated child, they intercept that. Since they started doing that, they've intercepted more than 158 million images of naked children, but 35 million of them were sent by the teenager themselves. So these photographs get intercepted. When I go out and talk to young people, we talk about, you know, just because you think you're sending it to your boyfriend, don't believe for a second that's the only way that it takes place. There's some other push-pull factors to this that we need to identify. One of them is that with Facebook and Instagram, a lot of people are posting naked children, naked photos of their own children because they think they're cute. What are we thinking? We must not do that because there is a world full of predators out there. Now, technology are connecting these pedophiles, and it's forming a community, and I really want you to think about how important that is. It normalizes the activity, and it downplays the reality of the deed. In other words, it seems acceptable. You've found like-minded people. You're not a creep. You're not a weirdo. You're totally accepted with these people. In fact, you're embellished. You're, um, you're raised up. You get approval. You succeed. Why else would you keep a million photographs of a violated child? And let's talk about what it takes to maintain a million photographs of anything. First of all, this is capable now because of the massive storage capability that is taking place in our technology evolution that is going on. So they have the ability to store them, but what do they do with them? Many of them are selling them. This is very big business, and I am predicting that it will become the largest income for cartels in the next 18 to 24 months. And I am I am prepared to take this on, and I'm asking you to come along with me in this. I've met some people who have some amazing technology, and we're talking to law enforcement agencies and corporations around the world about coming along with us, investing in this technology, because this has become an absolute epidemic. When you start creating large-scale rings that support the psychological um, 
addiction that is going on here, then it seems absolutely normal to us. On top of it, our society is a kind of a sexualized society with our children. I mean, look at the photographs that are going out there, looking at kids taking naked photos, kids playing on, uh, on things like uh, kick and instant messaging where they can meet total strangers and they think it's cool, where they can literally sext with total strangers and they think it's cool. So they don't realize that they're setting themselves up for victimization. On top of it, that same technology makes children readily available. In the past, a pedophile, what they would do is work with their own child or a neighbor child or a niece or a nephew, or maybe they would get a girlfriend who had children. Uh, Maybe they worked at a dance studio, and you're starting to see this. They worked in sports agencies. They worked at child care centers, and they still do where they access children. But one of the things that's happening is that we're seeing so much sexualization of children that it's very easy for people to not recognize this anymore as they're being vulnerable to exploitation. So we have a lot of things going on here that is driving this. And I really want to take the next segment and look at it so that we can really get in depth of how this is happening and how to stop it. Stay right with us. We are up against a break. Man, that went fast. I can't wait to to go on. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thanks. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. 
That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello and welcome back. We are talking about probably the biggest cesspool of life, and that is child pornography. I've been doing a lot of research for you on this, and uh, there's always a downside for me to do that because I have so much data, I don't know really where to start to share this with you. But this is a burden on my heart, and those of you who know me know that I am absolutely driven to stop child exploitation. But this is a whole new community. You know, I remember back in 2010 when I first started talking about human trafficking here in Southern California, people thought I was nuts. You know, is it really happening? Well, yes, it is happening, and it's happening in big numbers out here. Our team has 140, 150 open cases right now just in Riverside County. Now, those are hardcore sex trafficking cases where Young people get lured in and they end up in prostitution. But as I began to understand the intersect of child pornography to sex trafficking, I am blown away. It is one of the, I will just be honest with you, one of the challenges of this is just to get your mind around it, to understand how big this is. I just picked eight cases today, well, nine cases, and it represents over 400,000 pedophiles and over 10 million images. Now, if I add in the one with 30 million images, that's 40 million images of naked and violated children. What is 40 million images of naked and violated? How do you get your mind around that? You know? I mean, I say to myself, okay, let's say each child was only violated 10 times. That's still 4 million children. You know, uh, we're, we're sitting here in Southern California with 150, let's say, 140, 150 cases of child sex trafficking. And I say, but what about, what about 10 million kids, 4 million kids that are being violated? Here's some of the challenges with it. Some of the interesting things is that Technology is connecting children all over the world with pedophiles in ways never thought possible. In about three years, the entire world will be connected by Internet. And so, literally, there won't be a child safe on Earth. Third world countries with all those kids available that for two or three or four dollars will be available to be violated. And think about this, right? You know, as most of you know, I work with Rafa House out of Cambodia. They can take a child there now and put her in a brothel and video camera. But in another three years, this will be taking place in private homes all around the world. How are we going to find that? Another thing I want to look at here is that technology enhances these addictions. In the second part of the show, I'm going to be looking at these eight cases here with you and just kind of hit the highlights of them. But what we see is these guys are absolutely head over heels addicted. And these are people who are walking among us, okay? Uh, I think I have a lieutenant... uh, can't, I can't remember here. It was Lieutenant Colonel is one of them. Government agencies, teachers, pastors, pediatricians, um, people that work in schools, people that work in care homes, people that we know. Somehow we think that like in the movies, these guys are going to look like, you know, monsters and we're going to be able to pick them out. 
they never quite look like that. These are regular people walking among us, and they get addicted in ways we can't even imagine. As we've talked about before, the addiction process for pornography with the onset of the Internet is just mind-boggling. It, you know, it eats you alive. It's like cancer living inside you, and it becomes you. You don't even think about it anymore. You have it in, the, in your back pocket on your phone. It's laying on the seat of the car if you stop at a red light. You know, uh, it's laying on your desk at work, and I'm blown away by a couple of these cases where these guys had high-powered jobs for the government and they actually use the government computer to look at it. Now, these are not stupid people. These are addicted people. And that, that is one of the things that I'm seeing here in this understanding this is these guys get started and there is never enough. Now, when I think about that, I think, wouldn't that make that visible to somebody? If this is taking place to your husband, your father, your grandfather... Wouldn't that be a sign that they're never available, that they're always on a computer, that they're always doing something technical? Because in order to store a million images, in order to send out uh, and store a, a thousand videos of something, takes a lot of time to look at it. And I would think, according to what I'm reading here of these cases, is they're absolutely overcome with this addiction and they can't get free. So I believe that that's a big factor. I think that I want to look at it from a law enforcement point of view. Law enforcement struggles with this because the cases are not visible. In other words, how does law enforcement work? They're territorial. Let's take the Riverside County Sheriff, the L.A. County Sheriff. They work a particular jurisdiction. Now, the FBI is going after this, Homeland Security is going after it, but many of these cases, you'll have only one perpetrator in your area, and they are sharing on a peer-to-peer network with people in other states or other countries. And so, number one, unless somebody phones in a case, it isn't like you've got a 911 call. So how do you find it? And these kind of cases take a lot of development. I am really, really excited that I've met a group of people that are developing some extremely amazing software. And uh, to go after it, it's law enforcement software, but it's available for corporations. And I'm very grateful for that because this is the kind of thing where law enforcement will only see one or two pieces of a very large ring. And unless they're trained to dig down into it, they probably are not going to realize what's happening unless the FBI or Homeland Security should bring them a case. So that is one of the challenges. It's multi-jurisdictional, I can't say that. And there's a lot of challenges with the laws on how to get these cases. One of the things I did as I looked at these eight cases is what are the sentences that they got? And it was amazing. It was like all over the map. Uh, Even though they had like a million images, one guy in the UK actually got probation with being in in an in-house treatment program for a while, and the rest he could do, you know, living at home. He was a family man and a nice guy, according to the judge. But he had over a million images that he was dealing of kids who were being violated. 
Most of these guys are getting 10, 15, 20 years, although one of them actually got some horrific sentence. I can't remember, 140 years. Um, that was a janitor out of Alabama. Now, he was actually taking videos in public locations of kids while they were in the bathroom or changing their clothes. But it's a fascinating thing to see the big variation going on here that tells us that we really need to address this with law enforcement. And I intend to do that. Trust me, and I hope you come along with me. Another question here is what is considered consent? Uh, This is a global problem. And just in uh, Turkey and the Philippines... 12 years old is considered the age of consent for sex. So how does that work if you have a guy who's like 58 watching a a 13-year-old be violated? In her country, it may not be uh, illegal, but in his country it is. We need people who develop U.S. policy and global policy on this. The other thing that is important here is looking at the software that makes this available Most of this is taking place in the dark web. That means a person needs a Tor router. I think that's a big red flag. If you're suspicious of somebody, ask them if they've ever heard of Tor. See if they have a router. That is a big red flag. Now, it isn't just Tor. There are others that are out there. But also, if they have cyber currency accounts, that's another big red flag. Uh, I heard of a new cyber currency that's really taking over called Zcash. But uh, Bitcoin is another one. So those are all impacts on it. Now, some new technology is affecting this. Number one, live streaming. That's going to make it very, very difficult because you literally will be able to have my mass live streaming events that are not traceable. And the advantage of live streaming, you talk about being part of this network and sending photographs back and forth and being able to chat and text amongst each other and get that enforcement. Think about being on a mass event live streaming where you can encourage each other. It will enhance the addiction process in ways we've never seen before. I also believe that it's going to enhance um, the off of the um, length of time this is taking place because they're enjoying each other's companionship. And I believe it's going to enhance the level of violation and exploitation to these children because once you're in one of these rings, there is never enough. In fact, I read recently in some of these rings, you actually have to send once a week, in some cases once a month, a really vile photograph of yourself violating that child in order to stay in the ring. That's how they know that you're not um, law enforcement or, or the FBI or somebody. But it's, a, it's an interesting situation there because I believe as these live streaming events take place, the level of violation is going to have to get more and more intense in order to be able to keep your audience you see that at the movies. They have to be more violent, more extreme, more, more uh, high action in order to be able to keep people happy. And so along with cyber currency, the implied approval, the exchange between us, the amount of large-scale storage that is going on, and live streaming, we are seeing a massive expansion in this business of child pornography. 
Now, that means we need to take it on. To take it on, we have to understand it. And we have to bring law enforcement together, make them aware, and then provide them ways they they can come along with us. And I believe that it's up to us as the public and as nonprofits like me and kids to be able to provide them support and be able to provide them with uh, awareness and education and teamwork to be able to solve this problem. This may be the biggest challenge of this next decade, quite frankly. So stay with us. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Seduced, The Grooming of America's Teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, hello there and welcome back to Exploited Crimes Against Humanity. I truly appreciate your support. I appreciate you following us. I appreciate all the emails that I get from each of you all around the world. I appreciate you caring about children wherever you live. I am looking to build a global network of people helping us combat child exploitation. And this particular week, we are, for the second week in a row, looking at child pornography. Because I believe that we are with child pornography right now, where we were with child sex trafficking five years ago, six years ago. And as I'm looking at this, I'm saying, I need to bring together a team of experts around the world to take this on that can be tough enough to acknowledge it. If you want to call in, it's 1-866-472-5788, and you can always send me an email at opaletmeandkids.org. Now, we've been talking about what's driving this, but one of the things I want to point out is this is not taking place in a bubble. This is taking place in homes all throughout the world. 
And especially homes in America, it appears, as I keep ongoing uh, analysis of these cases, it appears about 50% of the pedophiles are originating out of the U.S. Although you see them in Australia, you see them in the U.K. and in Europe and other areas. But we are seeing many in the U.S. And so I think one of the problems is we don't want to acknowledge it. I, you know, I have a hard time getting anybody to even listen to me and want to talk about it. They have now got to a point where they'll talk about sex, uh, sextortion, social media exploitation. They'll talk about child sex trafficking, but nobody wants to acknowledge child pornography. By the way, it's harder than heck to raise money to fight this because no corporation wants to say we fight child pornography. <laughs> they don't want that public image. So if anybody wants to donate to keep this going, you can do that by going to www.millionkids, M-I-L-L-I-O-N, millionkids.org and donate. You can also buy the book Seduce the Grooming of America's Teenagers while you're there. Anyway, so I I picked out eight cases, and I want to run through them because no one in their environment seemed to understand that this was taking place around them. And I believe that this is taking place in regular homes. The first thing you're going to notice is these people don't have any spare time because they're always on the Internet to do this. So let's start looking at these eight cases. These eight cases represent about, uh, well, uh, probably about 400,000 pedophiles, but almost 10 million photographs, videos, images, 10 million. I, I don't even know how you quantify that. You know, I don't know how you store that. I don't know how you find that. 10 million. Now, here's what I want you to understand, regardless of trying to understand how big 10 million is. What does 10 million children look like? 10 million children. I don't know. Is that L.A. and New York and Orlando all put together? You know, where, how, how does that work? 10 million. I mean, it's, it is so bizarre that most of us just go, I don't get that, and you walk away. So let's look at them. Who are these guys? Well, the first one I picked was a case out of uh, UK because it really just ticked me off. <laughs> this guy's, by the way, one of the, one of the things I noticed on this, um, this guy's 56, the next one's 44, the next one's 52, next one's 51, the next one's 51, the next one's 52. Um, this one here, I didn't get an age. Here's one that's 43. And the other one was 42. I was kidding, couldn't help but wonder if these guys are hitting the change of life. Uh, are they, you know, bored? Are they um, decreased in their sexuality? And this is a safe way where you can just pick on an innocent and vulnerable child so you're safe. Um, what is going on here in those age ranges? Now, I will tell you, I have tracked various uh, cases of child pornography as many as I can, and the ages of the pedophile are all over the map. However, what I did find is that probably as much as 80% of them appear to be Caucasian. They don't, ever, they don't uh, usually tell you their ethnicity in the articles, but appear to be. And many of them are connected to schools or pediatricians, pastors, or policemen. So it's fascinating. So let's take these really quick because this show goes so fast, I need to hurry. 
Okay, here's Roger Borton. He's 56. He was a husband, a father. How much time did he have with his family if he had over a million images? He liked girls that were up to 18. However, there were many, many photos that he had that were 10 years old. He said he had a traumatic childhood. Now, there is a common theme in some of these that appear that they were molested as children. That, by the way, is not unusual for uh, victims of child sex trafficking. It is believed as much as 70 and 80% of the victims were previously sexually molested. So could we start a movement, especially for males? It's just, you know, kind of unheard of for males to seek out counseling for their child trauma. But it is that child trauma that seems to be driving them on. Maybe we need programs where they can go privately, maybe an online counseling service where they can talk about it and begin to download it. Now, this guy, he was, uh, even the judge said he was a great guy. I couldn't believe it. Now, they gave this guy therapy and probation, and he had more than a million images, and he was selling them for personal gain. So it's a good thing that I wasn't in that courtroom <laughs> because, you know, what the heck is this judge thinking? But his family said he's a wonderful guy. The judge says he's a wonderful guy and he needs therapy. Now, this is in the U.K. They have a tendency to be a lot more, well, conservative in their approach and liberal in their their um, their um, prosecution, apparently. But anyway... But I just wanted to point this out. He was a family man who had more than a million images that he's selling in there. The judge said he had so many images it would be impossible to view them all in a lifetime. Okay, now here's John Figuera. Figuera, maybe it is. He's 44. He's out of Wilmington, Delaware. He got 33 years in prison, so that's good. He had taken 95 lewd photographs of children in his care. So one of the things that I really believe is that we need a whole new look at uh, human resources in child care, daycare facilities, and also in schools because many of these people put themselves in industries where there are children. I was um, a, a child pornography expert talking on MSNBC during the Jared Fogle case, the Cameron Hall show. And in that case, Jared Fogle had a nonprofit where he put himself in school. So this guy here, he had taken 95 lewd program, uh, photos of children in his care. So how does this guy get so much access to a child? He had at least five different victims that were 68 years old, and some of them had reported that he had sexually abused them, but nobody paid attention to that. Hello? I mean, we need to escalate this that if any child reports anything, everything stops immediately. He justified it by saying that none of the images he created involved children or the pantyhose that he had never shared it online. Now, he had a pantyhose fetish, fetish, and many of these guys you'll see have additional fetishes. That is another trigger if you have someone in your life that has those kind of fetishes, that doesn't make them all bad. But if they're hanging around children, you need to connect fetish and children and ask yourself some questions here. But he justified it because he said, well, I never shared it. I just did it myself. Later on, and I want you to look at this thinking here. I've done wrong. I've hated myself for a long time. Sorry, I, I, I know I need help, and I know sorry is not enough. I violated their trust. 
you violated a heck of a lot more than their trust in this case. You see, he's disassociating the damage being done, and he's also disassociating who he is. He says, I know I'm not that person. I don't know why I did this. He's in a disassociation so that he can excuse this, and we need huge amounts of programs to take this on, understand what is happening here, and begin to counteract it. The next guy is 66-year-old Edward Niger. He's from uh, Wisconsin in a small town. I find it interesting because I live in Southern California, and we're known for being crazy out here, and yet most of these are in small towns or, um, you know, average towns of America. This guy uploaded... 900 images to an image sharing website and posted the images to various internet chat rooms. Now, I want to stop and talk about this. He had over 1.6 million images on his computer. He had 11,400 videos. Do you know how much effort that takes? He also had a lot of search terms, so he's looking on his computer for this sort of thing. So think about this. He's in a chat room. This guy is addicted right up to his ears. He has, what, a million six images? He has 11,000 videos, and he's hanging out in chat rooms. So I want you to think about the impact of these chat rooms because this is part of the phenomena, I believe. It's the socialization. It's the normalization of this with like-minded individuals who will tell you, hey, I'm not hurting this child. I'm just looking at it. I, I want to puke sometimes as I read these cases over and over and over. And uh, I'll not admit it. So what is happening here, we've got to shut this off. It's an interesting day at my house because I normally do this on my Skype with Time Warner, but New Spectrum has gone off the air and my TV just came on, so they're back on. But we'll continue this by phone. Okay, I got distracted. I want you to think about this. They're doing this on a chat room. They're doing this and sharing this. Think about the psychological impact this guy was getting. In these chat rooms, you get acceptance. You get inclusion. You even get into competition. It minimizes the guilt. It reinforces the acceptance of the act. He's been doing this for 12 years. This guy is addicted right up to his ears. He, would have, he said he, that means he would have started when he was 54 years old. I mean, it must have been a full-time job for this guy to be doing this. Who are the children that he's getting all these from? Where is he getting this? Feeding this addiction must be absolutely compulsive. He must be living in these chat rooms. He must not be employed at this point. Because I look at this, if he only had 10 images of each child, assuming each child was violated 10 times, that means it's 160,000 children. That's just one pedophile, just one. Do you see why I'm so passionate about going after this? This is just one of millions of people are out there that are doing this, 400,000 pedophiles just in these eight cases. And this one right here represents 160,000 victims. So we're going to break, and I'll be right back.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers is the most important book a parent will read this year. Human trafficking is one of the fastest growing crimes in America. Three out of four victims are U.S. citizens. Most are our young people who have been lured into prostitution by a boyfriend or girlfriend or hook up with a newfound love on the Internet. Sometimes they are victims of blackmail as a result of sending a revealing photo. Sometimes it's catastrophic. Opal Singleton, president of Million Kids, has written a powerful book for parents, educators, civic leaders, and first responders about how predators use social media, apps, chat rooms, video games, and the dark web to access, groom, recruit, and exploit young people. It is truly a must-read for every parent, grandparent, and teacher in America. Seduced, the grooming of America's teenagers, will help you understand how technology makes an innocent teen vulnerable to predators and how to talk to teens to keep them safe. Priced at $15.99 plus $4 shipping, Seduced can be ordered at millionkids.org. Share this with everyone you know. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. If you have a question or comment, please send an email to opal at millionkids.org. That's O-P-A-L at millionkids.org. Now, back to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Here again is Opal Singleton. Well, welcome back. We are looking at child pornography cases because I want you to understand the significance of how all of this is taking place. And so I'm getting down to the end of the show, and I want to keep going because I want you to to really appreciate what this looks like. I think until we can appreciate the the and acknowledge the depth of the problem, we can't go after it. And that's why I have done two shows on this. This is uh, we just looked at the Edgar Niger uh, case. He was 66 year old from Wisconsin. He had a hundred one point six million images. And as I tried to analyze this, I mean, I can't even imagine a child being violated one time. I mean, that is a life-changing event. But in this case, let's say each child was violated 10 times, that is still 160,000 kids. That is just unbelievable. Well, the next case is a guy by the name of Robert Carey, who was 52 years old. Now, he got 15 years for production and possessing, and he also had to pay a $50,000 fine back to his family. He had downloaded more than a million pictures of abused children, and he also had sexually abused a child and took his own pictures, his own photos of that. Now, he had a high-powered job. We talked about him a little bit last week, but I just wanted to reiterate it. He had a high-powered job at the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric uh, Corporation, and he used government computers and his own office to access it. He liked prepubescent girls in their early teens, and he said he had been downloading for 10 years. Think about this a minute with me. I need you to understand what this must be like to walk in this man's shoes. He had a normal job. He probably went home to a normal family. He is downloading child pornography on a government computer. Does this man not believe he's going to get caught? But you see, they cannot think rational. He had been doing it 10 years. He's lost all inhibitions. This man is addicted right up to his ears on this thing. 
and there is never enough. This is the reason why I believe we've got to take this on. It isn't like we think that these guys are going to wake up one day and go, oh my gosh, what am I doing? I must stop this. They're not able to stop. This is a serious situation when we consider the context of technology coming together with some of the most intense addiction on earth. He had images of a family member, a minor female that he had taken pictures of. This is, they walk among us. They are living in various households. And these are people who seem normal, except for they have some quirk. And without understanding the seriousness of the matter, this is going to become a global epidemic. In fact, I believe that it is, which is why I want to take this on, regardless of how unpopular it is, regardless of what people may think of me and my own my own uh, reputation, I am going to take this on. I mean, I, I do have people who say to me, Opal, you know, it, it's one thing to talk about sex trafficking. It's another thing to talk about exploiting kids on the Internet. That you can go to society and talk about, but nobody wants to hear about this. Well, you know what? We're going to talk about it. Here's another guy, James Vale, Shreveport in the, uh, Louisiana, another 51-year-old, had a million files, had 800 DVDs. 800 DVDs, that might be a trigger for somebody to look at and go, wow, look at the size of that library. What is this guy doing? He had multiple laptops. He had the rape of infant children on there. Now, this is why I'm doing this, guys. By accident, by accident, as I was searching for a girl in sex trafficking, I saw a picture of a child pornography. We're not talking about sex here, folks. We're talking about violation you can't even believe. There's the next one, John Sheeran. He had a million images in his Florida apartment, mass storage devices, lots of children's clothing. That can be another sign. Did you notice in here? Many times they're into pantyhose. They're into children's clothing. One guy had sippy cups in there. That's a hint right there that something is wrong. Here's another one, 52-year-old. They wouldn't give his name, but he was a 52-year-old pedophile. And he received 20 years in prison. He was a Naval Information Services Systems Technician. He claimed to be, it would be nice to access the images again. He's sitting in prison. He had already been violated as a child uh, pedophile in prison. And he's saying, yeah, it would be nice to, to access them again. But it's really not worth the hassle, meaning that he got 20 years. Look at this attitude. Even though he's sitting in prison... He said, I never acted out on my sadistic impulses. Really? I never touched anybody. You see, they are separating the damage that is taking place. In order to make child pornography, you need a child. In order for it to be pornographic, you need to exploit that child. And this guy is still sitting in prison, 52 years old with a 20-year sentence, He'll probably never see the light of day, I hope. And he's saying, I never acted out on my sadistic impulses. I never touched anybody. Do you see the level of addiction, the level of disassociation that is going on there? He said he started 12 years ago with a single image of a very young girl uh, went across his computer and it got his curiosity. Here's another one, Jeffrey Feldman from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. He got 10 years. He had received over a million images. 
It's not saying that he, well, it does say he shared the files over the Internet on a peer-to-peer network. You see, in order to be part of these networks, you have to prove that you, too, are a pedophile. Otherwise, they won't know but what you're police. So many of these networks require you at least once a week or once a month to show that you're engaged with violating a child in order to stay in here. Then we have the Alabama janitor. This is uh, Jeremy Nelson. He received 140 years. This is the one I was talking about earlier because he planted video cameras in three businesses, and uh, one of these was a dance studio. Now think about this. You're taking your child down to a dance studio, and he's got literally cameras in the bathrooms taking these pictures and putting those kids' pictures out on the Child Pornography Network. You see, many of the victims that are here are being intercepted because our teenagers are sending naked selfies or they're getting lured in through sextortion on Kik or WhatsApp and they send that photo or it's a guy playing a video game and he thinks he's talking to a girl and the next thing you go, he shoots off his naked photo and it goes out to thousands of these guys and it is out there forever. This last one that I was looking at with you, this Alabama janitor, he had 162,000 minutes of children being violated on video. He even edited the videos and added music so that he could share them with others. He shared them with a guy in Tennessee and another guy in Mexico. I always wonder how these guys find each other and know that it's okay to share this information because how do you know? How do you know? I mean, I can't imagine you go to a party and say, <clears throat> I'm into violating a three-year-old. How do these guys find each other? We must take this on. Here's the last one I want to share with you. Stephen Fredrickson. He's 42. He worked at the U.S. Army Defense Intelligence Agencies. All these guys seem intelligent. He has 20, he got 20 years for production of child pornography and attempt to coerce and entice a minor. Now, this is sextortion. He used Kik. He used his government laptop and he would go online and chat with kids on Kik and entice minors that are 14 to 17 year old girls to produce child pornography. And then he saved it out on his cloud storage. There are a lot more uh, victims in this. So as you see, this is a, a very complex issue. And we're just getting started in taking this on. I want you to think about something. I am absolutely committed to taking this on around the globe. I know some people who have software. I work with law enforcement. I'm training law enforcement. We must get this out of the shadows, and we have got to start to talk about it. We must understand the magnitude that this is happening because in literally three years, the entire world is about to be connected to the Internet. This is Opal Singleton, and I work with Million Kids at millionkids.org. Or go to Facebook and join with Million Kids Like Us. Send me an email. Tell me who you are, what you're doing, and what we can do to join forces to combat this. This is literally exploited crimes against humanity. We are absolutely passionate about protecting our children. And this is a crime that is violating children right in front of us and taking place with pedophiles that live amongst us. So join with us, share the show with everyone that you know, Exploited Crimes Against Humanity, and we will see you next week. Thanks for joining us. 
Thank you for tuning in this week to Exploited, Crimes Against Humanity. Please join your host, Opal Singleton, for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll have another important discussion next week. Thank you.